Chapter sixty one, part one of the Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Proust. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter sixty one, part one. While Pentuer was going around the country and choosing out delegates, Ramses the thirteenth tarried in Thebes, arranging the marriage of his favorite, Tutmosis. First of all, the ruler of two worlds, surrounded by a grand retinue, drove in a golden chariot to the palace of the most worthy Antifa. This magnate hurried forth to meet his sovereign before the gate, and taking the costly sandals from his feet, he knelt and assisted Ramses to alight from the chariot. In return for this homage, the pharaoh gave him his hand to kiss, and declared that henceforth Antifa was his friend, and might enter even the throne hall in sandals. When they were in an immense chamber of Antifa's palace, the sovereign said before the whole retinue, I know, worthy Antifa, that as thy revered ancestors occupy the most beautiful of tombs, thou, their descendant, art foremost among the nomarchs in Egypt. To thee it is known surely that in my court and army, as in my heart, the first place is held by Tutmosis, chief of the guard, and my favorite. According to the opinion of sages, the rich man does ill who does not put his most precious jewel into the most beautiful setting. And, since thy family is most precious to me, and Tutmosis is most dear, I have conceived the idea of connecting thee with myself, as thou wilt be, if thy daughter, the wise and beautiful Hebron, accepts Tutmosis as husband. To this the worthy Antifa replied, Holiness, sovereign of the western world and of living men, as Egypt and all that is in it belongs to thee, so this house and all its inhabitants are thy possession. Since it is thy desire that my daughter should be the wife of thy favorite, let it be so. Now the pharaoh declared to Antifa that Tutmosis had twenty talents of yearly salary and considerable estates in various provinces. Thereupon the worthy Antifa declared that his daughter Hebron would have fifty talents a year, also the right to make use of the estates of her father in those provinces in which the pharaoh's court sojourned for a season. And since he had no son, his immense property, which was free of debt, would pass to Tutmosis some time together with the office of nomarch of thebes in so far as the transfer might coincide with the will of the pharaoh after concluding the conditions tutmosis entered the court thanked antifa first for giving his daughter to one so unworthy and second because he had reared her so beautifully it was arranged then that the ceremony of marriage would take place in a few days since tutmosis as leader of the guard had no time for protracted preliminaries I wish thee happiness, my son, said Antifa, smiling, and also great patience, because my beloved daughter, now twenty years old, is the first exquisite in Thebes, and has had her will always. By the gods I tell thee that my command over Thebes always ends at the gate of her garden, and I fear that thy military command will go no further. Next the noble Antifa invited his guest to a splendid banquet, in the course of which the beautiful Hebron showed herself with a great retinue of damsels. In the dining hall were numbers of small tables for two or four persons, also a larger table in a loftier place for the pharaoh. To show honor to Antifa and his favorite Tutmosis, Ramses approached Hebron and invited her to his table. The young lady was really beautiful, and as it seemed had experience, a thing not exceptional in Egypt. 
Ramses soon noticed that the betrothed turned no attention whatever toward Tutmosis, but to make up for this, she turned eloquent glances towards him, the pharaoh. That also was no wonder in Egypt. When the guests had taken their places, when music sounded and female dancers began to bring fruit and wine to the tables, Ramses said to Hebron, The longer I look at thee, the more I am astonished. Were some stranger to enter, he might consider thee a high priestess or a goddess, but never a woman at the time of happy betrothal. I am happy, said she, at this moment, though not because of betrothal. How is that? interrupted the pharaoh. Marriage does not entice me, and surely I should rather be the high priestess of Isis than be married. Then why marry? I marry because it is the absolute wish of my father to have an heir to his glory, but mainly because it is thy wish, my sovereign. Can it be that Tutmosis does not please thee? I will not say he does not please me. Tutmosis is fine-looking. He is the first exquisite in Egypt, he plays well, and takes prizes at games. His position as commander of thy guard is one of the highest. Still, were it not for the prayers of my father and thy command, I should not marry Tutmosis. Even as it is, I shall not be his wife. My property will suffice Tutmosis and the titles after my father, the rest he can find among dancing girls. But does he know of his misfortune? Hebron smiled. He knows this long time, that even were I not the daughter of Antipha, but of the lowest dissector, I would not give myself to a man unless I loved him. I could love only a man who was above me. Art thou speaking seriously? asked Ramses in wonder. I am twenty years old. Since I was six years of age, adorers have surrounded me, but I measured them quickly, and today I would rather hear learned priests than songs and declarations from youthful exquisites. In that case, I ought not sit near thee, Hebron, for I am not even an exquisite, and I have no priestly wisdom whatever. Thou art something higher, replied she, blushing deeply. Thou art a chief who has won victory. Thou art as impetuous as a lion, as swift as a vulture. Millions fall on their faces before thee, and kingdoms tremble. Do I not know what fear is roused by thy name in Tyre and Nineveh? Gods might be jealous of thy influence." Ramses was confused. "'O oh, Hebron, Hebron,' said he, "'if thou knew what alarm thou art sowing in my heart.' "'For this very reason,' continued Hebron, "'I marry Tutmosis. I shall be nearer thee, and shall see thee, though for a few days only.' She rose and left the hall. Antipha noted her action and hastened in alarm to Ramses. "'O oh, Lord!' cried he. "'Has my daughter said anything improper?' She is an untamable lioness. Be at rest, said Ramses. Thy daughter is full of wisdom and dignity. She went out because she saw that thy wine was gladdening the guests rather powerfully. In fact, a great uproar had risen in the hall, all the more since Tutmosis, abandoning the role of assistant host, had become a most animated talker. I will say to thee in confidence, holiness, that poor Tutmosis must guard himself greatly in presence of my daughter, remarked Antipha. That first feast continued till morning. The pharaoh, it is true, departed immediately, but others remained, first in their chairs, and then on the floor. Finally, Antifa had to send them home as if they had been lifeless objects. The marriage ceremony took place some days later. To Antifa's palace went the high priests Herhor and Mephres, the nomarchs of the neighboring provinces, and the chief officials of Thebes. Later appeared Tutmosis on a two-wheeled chariot, attended by officers of the guard, and finally his holiness the pharaoh 
Ramses was attended by the chief scribe, the commander of the archers, the commander of the cavalry, the chief judge, the chief treasurer, Sem, the high priest, and the adjutant generals. When that splendid assembly was in the hall of ancestors of the most worthy Antifa, Hebron appeared in white robes, with a numerous retinue of damsels and maids in attendance. Her father, after he had burned incense before Ammon and the statue of his own father, and Ramses Thirteenth, who was sitting on a raised platform, declared that he freed his daughter Hebron from the guardianship and provided her with a dowry. Then he gave her, in a gold tube, a document securing her dowry, and written before the courts on papyrus. After a short lunch, the bride took her seat in a costly litter borne by eight officials of the province. Before her went music and singers, around the litter were dignitaries, and behind them an immense crowd of people. All this procession moved toward the temple of Ammon, through the most beautiful streets of the city, amid a throng of people almost as numerous as that which had attended the funeral of the pharaoh. At the temple the people remained outside the walls while the bride and groom, the pharaoh and dignitaries, entered the hall of columns. There Hebron burned incense before the veiled statue of Ammon, priestesses performed a sacred dance, and Tutmosis read the following act from a papyrus. I, Tutmosis, commander of the guard of His Holiness Ramses Thirteenth, take thee, Hebron, daughter of Antipha, the nomarch of Thebes, as wife. I give thee now the sum of ten talents, because thou hast consented to marry me. For thy robes I designate to thee three talents yearly, and for household expenses one talent a month. Of the children which we may have, the eldest son will be heir to the property which I possess now, and which I may acquire hereafter. If I should not live with thee, but divorce myself and take another wife, I shall be obliged to pay thee forty talents, which some I secure with my property. Our son, on receiving his estate, is to pay thee fifteen talents yearly. Children of another wife are to have no right to the property of our firstborn son. Authentic. The chief judge appeared now and read an act in which the bride promised to give food and raiment to her husband, to care for his house, family, servants, slaves, and cattle, and to entrust to that husband the management of the property which she had received or would receive from her father. After the acts were read, Herhor gave Tutmosis a goblet of wine. The bridegroom drank half, the bride moistened her lips with it, then both burned incense before the purple curtain. Leaving the temple of Ammon, the young couple and their splendid retinue passed through the avenue of sphinxes to the pharaoh's palace. Crowds of people and warriors greeted them with shouts, scattering flowers on their pathway. Tutmosis had dwelt up to that time in the chambers of the pharaoh, but on the day of his marriage Ramses presented him with a beautiful little villa in the depth of the gardens, surrounded by a forest of fig trees, myrtles, and boabs, where the bridegroom and bride might pass days of happiness hidden from human eye and cut off, as it were, from the world about them. In that quiet corner people showed themselves so rarely that even birds did not flee before them. When the young couple and the guests found themselves in this new dwelling, the final ceremony of marriage followed. Tutmosis took Hebron by the hand and led her to a fire burning before a statue of Isis. Then Mephres poured a spoonful of holy water on the lady's head. Hebron touched the fire with her hand, while Tutmosis divided a morsel of bread with her, and placed his own ring on her finger, in a sign that from that time forth she was mistress of his land, his servants, his slaves, and cattle. Meanwhile the priests sang wedding hymns and bore the statue of divine Isis through the whole house, and the priestesses performed sacred dances. 
the day ended with spectacles and a great feast during which all noticed hebron accompanied the pharaoh continually and that tutmosis kept at a distance from her and simply entertained guests at the wedding when the stars had risen the holy herhor left the feast and soon after some of the highest dignitaries slipped out also about midnight the following worthy persons met in a subterranean chamber of the temple of ammon the high priests herhor mephres and mentezufis the chief judge of thebes also the chiefs of the provinces of abs horti and emsux mentezufis looked around among the great columns closed the door quenched the torches and in that lower chamber there remained only one light that which burned before a statue of horus the dignitaries sat down on three stone benches if i were commanded to describe the character of rameses the thirteenth said the nomarch of abs i should be unable to do so he is a maniac said mefres i do not know that he is a maniac answered herhor but he is very dangerous in every case already assyria has reminded us twice of the last treaty and is beginning i hear to be alarmed at the arming of egypt that is of less importance said mefres there is something worse for this godless man is thinking to violate the treasure of the labyrinth but i should consider said the monarch of emsuk that his promises to the people are the worst our income and that of the state will be shattered if the common people are idle one day in seven but if the pharaoh gives them land in addition he is ready to do that said the chief judge in a whisper is he ready asked the nomarch of horti seems to me that he merely wants money if we should give him something from the labyrinth impossible interrupted herhor the state is not threatened by danger but the pharaoh is and that is not the same question i repeat that as a dam is only strong while it is not penetrated by the tiniest stream of water so the labyrinth is full till we touch the first block of gold in it after that all will go finally whom do we strengthen by the treasures of the gods of egypt this young man who despises religion belittles priests and disturbs the people is he not worse than assar Assar is a barbarian, but he does not harm us. It is improper for the pharaoh to pay court to his favorite's wife so openly on the very day of the marriage, said the judge thoughtfully. Hebron herself entices him, said the nomarch of Horti. All women entice men, answered the nomarch of Emsuch. Sense, however, is given a man to avoid sin. But is not the pharaoh husband to all the women of Egypt? whispered the nomarch of Abs. Moreover, sin is under the judgment of the gods, while we are occupied only with Egypt. He is dangerous, he is dangerous, said the nomarch of Emsuch, while his hands and head trembled. There is no doubt that the common people have become insolent and may rise at any moment. In that case, no high priest or nomarch would be sure of his life, not to mention his office and property. Against an uprising, we have means, replied Herhor. What means? First of all, answered Mefres, we can avoid an uprising if we explain to the wisest among common people that he who makes them promises is a maniac. He is one of the soundest men under the sun, whispered the nomarch of Horti. All that we need to learn is what he wishes. He is a maniac, a maniac, repeated Mefres. His own brother imagines himself a monkey and drinks with dissectors. Ramses may act in the same fashion any day. It is awkward and evil to declare a man of sound mind a maniac, said the nomarch of Horti, for if people see the falsehood they will cease to believe in us, and nothing will restrain an uprising. If I say that Ramses is a maniac, it must be that I have proof, replied Mefres, and now listen. The dignitaries moved on their benches. Tell me, continued Mefres, 
would a man of sound mind heir to the throne of egypt dare to fight in public against a bull in the presence of so many thousands of asiatics would a prince of sound judgment an egyptian wander into a phoenician temple during night hours would he without cause reduce to the rank of slaves his first woman an act which caused her death and the death of her infant those present murmured in fear all this we have seen in piebast mentezufus and i were witnesses of drinking feasts at which the half-demented heir blasphemed against the gods and insulted the priesthood that is true said mentezufus and what do ye think continued mefres with a greater heat would a man of sound mind the leader of an army leave his troops to chase after a few libyan bandits i pass over a number of smaller things even the idea of giving the people land and a holiday could i say that a man was of sound mind who committed so many criminal absurdities without cause just at random those present were silent the nomarch of horti was troubled it is necessary to think over this added the chief judge lest injustice be done him here herhor spoke holy mephras has done him a kindness he said in low decisive tones by considering him a maniac unless he is a maniac we must call him a traitor those present moved with fear yes the man called rameses the thirteenth is a traitor for not only does he select spies and robbers to discover the ways to the treasures of the labyrinth not only does he reject the treaty with assyria which egypt needs absolutely grievous accusations said the judge but listen to me further he is negotiating with the villainous phoenicians to cut a canal between the red sea and the mediterranean this canal is the greatest danger for egypt since our country might be inundated by water in one moment it is not a question here of the treasures of the labyrinth but of our temples houses fields six millions of people foolish it is true but innocent and finally of our own lives and the lives of our children if that is the case sighed the nomarch of horti i and the worthy mefres pledge ourselves that it is the case and that this one man has gathered into his hands more dangers than have ever yet threatened egypt hence we have brought you here to provide means of rescue but we must act quickly for the plans of this man advance like a storm in a desert and may overwhelm every one of us for a moment there was silence in the dark chamber what is to be done at present asked the nomarch of emsuch we live in our provinces far from the court and not only do we not know the plans of this madman but we cannot even divine them we can hardly believe that they exist i think it is best therefore to leave this affair with thee worthy herhor and with mefres you have discovered the disease provide the remedy and act but if the greatness of the responsibility alarms you associate yourself with the supreme judge as assistant yes yes he speaks the truth confirmed the indignant officials mentezufus lighted a torch and placed it on a table before the statue of the god a papyrus on which was written an act of the following contents in view of dangers threatening the state the power of the secret council passes into the hands of herhor with whom are associated as assistants the supreme judge and mefres this act confirmed by the signatures of the dignitaries present was enclosed in a tube concealed in a secret place beneath the altar in addition each one of the seven associates bound himself under oath to attract to the conspiracy ten dignitaries herhor promised to bring proof that assyria was insisting on the treaty and that the pharaoh did not wish to sign it that he was negotiating with the phoenicians to dig the canal and that he intended to enter the labyrinth treacherously my life and honor are in your hands concluded herhor if what i have said is untrue condemn me to death and have my body burned afterward 
no one doubted now that the high priest spoke the pure truth for no egyptian would expose his body to burning and his soul to destruction end of chapter sixty one part one